0: protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show... I share my visit with the Robinson Family Tour hosted by the Cooperage that took place on August 14th. We'll hear the voices of activity coordinators, Tara and Jenna, along with the romping radishes from the Cooperage. Farmers Zach Jones and Tim Jaggers share Robinson Family history and conduct their hands-in-the-dirt tour where all participants leave with samples of tasty produce. All of that coming up on today's Farming Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR.
1: Live from NPR News, I'm Barbara Klein. The head of the CDC is defending the agency's recommendation that people in high-risk jobs should be eligible for COVID-19 booster shots. Sam Whitehead of member station WABE in Atlanta reports the guidance is more expansive than that of the agency's own vaccine advisory panel. That panel advised booster doses be made available only to older Americans and those with medical conditions that put them at high risk. But Dr. Rochelle Walensky added those who work in high-exposure jobs, such as teachers and healthcare workers. As CDC director, it's my job to recognize where our actions can have the greatest impact. In a pandemic, we most often take steps with the intention to do the greatest good, even in an uncertain environment. And that is what I'm doing with these recommendations.
2: Federal regulators have approved only booster shots of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine.
1: For NPR News, I'm Sam Whitehead in Atlanta. Two Canadian men imprisoned for nearly three years in China arrived back in Canada today. NPR's Emily Fang reports their release is part of a U.S. Justice Department deal that allowed a Chinese Huawei executive to leave Canada at the same time and return to China.
3: In December 2018, Canada arrested Huawei's Meng Wanzhou on orders from the U.S., which accused her of breaking sanctions on Iran. Days later, China suddenly arrested Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig for espionage. The U.S. Justice
1: Department brokered a deal this week so the Michaels could leave China at nearly exactly the same time Meng flew back to China. NPR's Emily Fang in Beijing. A large wildfire in Sequoia National Park is spreading, though iconic giant sequoias like the General Sherman remain safe so far. Sarith Hawk of member station KVPR reports. The windy fire in the neighboring Sequoia National Forest is threatening some sequoia groves. Here's Public Information Officer Nathan Judy.
3: If it burns too hot in those areas, um, it can actually do damage to the roots themselves.
1: He says firefighters are stationed where the fire is active. They worry the thick brush on the ground will fuel the flames.
3: The fire will continue to smolder. You need to make sure to get firefighters in there to catch that smoldering, to put water where they can.
1: Fire crews are expecting more intense fire activity into the weekend. Meanwhile, the nonprofit Sequoia Parks Conservancy has received overwhelming support for its recovery fund. For NPR News, I'm Sarith Hawk in Fresno. Crews are also battling a blaze further north outside Redding, California. The Fawn Fire has already damaged or destroyed at least 100 structures, including homes. So far, it's 10 percent contained. They're hoping to get some help today from calming winds and cooler temperatures. This is NPR.
3: Support comes from Van Gorders Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles, as well as Rustic collections. With showrooms at Lake Wallen downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA, Van Gorders Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com.
0: This is Rosie Starr, welcome back to Farm and Country. On today's show, I share my visit with the Robinson Family Tour hosted by the Cooperage that took place on August 14th. We'll hear the voices of activity coordinators, Tara and Jenna, along with the romping radishes from the Cooperage. The farm tour took place in Wayne County. Farmers Zach Jones and Tim Jaggers share Robinson Family history and conduct their hands in the dirt tour where all participants leave with samples of tasty produce. The tour activity begins with youth program coordinator Tara Venencia who gathered the participants in a short breathing exercise. So we're just going to take a few deep breaths so that we kind of can take in the beautiful – I'm going to call it a sun breath. Sun's coming out today. The sun is beautiful, it helps us grow, it helps uh, our plants grow, so we're going to take a, a few sun Nice deep inhale,
2: arms up, I love it, and an exhale,
0: another inhale, and an exhale. Jenna Mortar, Agriculture and Food Program Manager at The Cooperage in Honesdale, Pennsylvania.
3: Today we wanted to visit with uh, the Robinson Family Farm. And I love this farm because it's been around for a really, really, really long time. And it stayed in their family. And we'll let Zach and Tim tell the story. And we're going to start here with some buildings that have been here for a 100 years. A 100 years. Does anybody know anybody that's a 100 years old?
0: Farmers Zach Jones and Tim Jaggers.
2: So I am the fifth generation on the farm. My great-great-grandfather started the farm somewhere back in the early 1900s. We know it was here before 1919. He built this house uh, in 1920-ish, we're figuring, and everyone has, in my family has grown up in that house at some point in our life. We have all lived there. My parents own it now. My great-grandfather grew up there. And then he built that house, which is where I live in now, I bought his house. And then grandma and grandpa live at the end of the road, so not too much you can get away with around here. (laughs) Everybody can see what's going on. So in the early days, this was just beef cows. Um, Back up in there they had a pasture, and primarily my great-grandfather, his brothers, and my great-great-grandfather were loggers and my great great grandfather owned the side of the mountain from you can see all the way up to just about the windmill what he would do is he went and he logged up there and he brought props and sprags to the coal mines over in Carbondale by horse to start and would sell it to them and then bring a load of coal back and then sold it to people over in here so through the Great Depression he always had a way to make money so he bought up lots of farms this Farm consists of several different farms. In the sixties my great great grandfather died, and my great grandfather and his brother Virgil decided they would get into milking cows. So that's what this barn is here. This is the the old dairy barn. And the small barn there was for heifers so they milked cows up until the eighties and then retired and kind of sold everything off and leased the farm. And you could pick up from your experience of when you bought it.
4: I bought it in uh, 2004. My grandfather passed away 2003 and in 2004 I bought it from my grandmother and I turned it back into beef. Beef cows were ripping apart the old dairy barns so we uh, transformed and through years of process we now have a new beef barn up in the back and then uh, we did a lot of conservation work here and uh, decided to diversify and now we've gone into the last couple years into vegetables.
2: I had left the farm for a bit. I went off to college and when I came back home I realized that this is something that I really wanted to do. So last year we decided we would plant onions and it kind of just blew up from there. did 300 tomatoes, a quarter acre of potatoes and this year we put up a greenhouse and a high tunnel and have increased production further set from that.
0: We'll start in the onion field. That last year was a tomato patch. But Zach may have been too heavy handed with the fertilizer and the heirloom tomatoes didn't like that.
2: Last year I had eight or nine rows of tomatoes here and they all died. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm gonna have these great heirloom tomatoes and they all died. So lesson learned. I decided I would try to do onions here. So actually right here I did what's called forum onions. So I planted them in the fall for winter time and then early spring they would come up. It was kind of an experiment but it turned out to work pretty well. And then here you can see where the dirt is. That was each a bed of onions that we planted in the spring. We planted 5,000 onions here and they did well.
3: Does anyone have, like, a backyard space about this big where the fruit is? You got that much room at home? (laughs) You could grow a thousand onions!
2: We did sweet onions, red onions, which were red wing, and they're really tough. Red onions are really hard because they put out a big top. They really, really like nitrogen, and then the bulb takes a really long time to grow, and by the time the bulb is putting on size, it's really, really hot, and they just want to be dead. We actually had to come through and take all the plastic off around each onion so that it wouldn't hold the moisture and rot the bulb so that was kind of a process but it ended up working and they grew pretty well. We had a lot of compost we put down in the fall and then we immediately planted a cover crop over it. I had wheat and rye to see what kind of differences. We didn't find any differences. It all grew well and it kept the soil from eroding and it also scavenged whatever nutrients were left over from the tomatoes and kind of put it in the top six inches of the soil so that when we came through to plant the onions we had a raised bed mulch layer so we did it under plastic but all those nutrients were right where it needed to be we didn't have to add any fertilizer i did eventually go through and foliar feed it with a fertilizer made from seaweed crab shells and shrimp smells like low tide a little bit so they did pretty well i guess we could keep walking
3: we were just talking about the colors of tomatoes
2: oh yeah i have some in there
3: that are like green yellow yeah see all over there those are all tomatoes over there and those ones in the front are the purple purple midnight ones yeah
2: so the wind the other night pushed all these tomatoes down i had them standing up nice and uh, we had a pretty heavy windstorm They're still okay though. I had been doing some research about different tomatoes and I came through a company from Washington State University and Cornell University who wanted to organically breed a tomato that was purple that has high levels of antioxidants. The goal was to breed a tomato that not only is really good for you, but tastes exceptionally well. So they worked with chefs to develop this tomato and they finally have released it. I'm hoping to make some really awesome pizza sauce this year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I have some yellow tomatoes that I wanted to experiment to make sauce out of. How many people have really bad uh, acid reflux? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Oh, you? Yeah. Heartburn. Effect. Yeah, me too. So actually, last week I made pizza sauce with this. I didn't try it yet. I don't know how good it's going to be. Uh, over here. In the front is the yellow, and then as it goes back are like big slicing tomatoes. So if you really want, we should all go pick one because there's bunch ready. It, you guys like a tomato? You yeah. guys want to take a tomato
3: home? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You want to pick your own tomato? Alright, come on, let's go follow yeah. him. Follow uh, Zach. If it's red, it's ripe. If
2: it's or red, if you don't want red. a ripe one, you can pick a uh, almost. I'll
3: you get, get you get a, a yellow
1: tomato? one. Yeah, nice,
3: nice yellow one, okay? <laughs> Oh, that's a good one, that's a really red one. Perfect, alright, let's see what else we're gonna get to do on the farm. Did you know you were gonna get to take home a tomato? How cool is that? Oh, thank you. <gasps> Yellow one, awesome! Even if it's not quite red, it's okay. Hey, once you have your tomato, you can follow us let and head up to another part of the farm you go and see you. some other things that they, they grow. Potatoes? Oh! Potatoes!
2: Yep. I knew it. I love potatoes. Yeah. yeah. I like
1: mashed potatoes.
2: Oh, you do? Me too. Mashed potatoes are good. So here we have our potato field. We have several different kinds here. These ones are superior. They're a little bit earlier than everything else, so that's why we started to dig them. We want to show them. How it's done? How we dig a potato?
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, if you had to dig your potatoes out of the ground because they grow under the ground. Right here was a potato plant. Come we'll
3: closer so you can see. Yep. We'll pull that Come out. Up. Come right on up.
4: See, we'll get rid of some of these weeds so we can see better. Alright, Then we'll take this
3: All right, get closer.
4: And we'll start digging in the dirt.
3: It's like a treasure hunt. Look at it. Ooh, oh,
4: there's a potato came out. It was hiding in the dirt. Oh, <laughs> oh, we found another potato, and, see another and you right see there. another one. It's like an Easter egg hunt, <laughs> isn't it? And we keep digging. Hope oh, get rid of the weed there.
3: Now okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those little ones. There's more potatoes. Look at Huh? Oh, right the baby. A, look at that one over there. Yeah,
4: these are little one bites, because they only take one bite. <laughs> And there's one. You can pick them up?
2: Oh, no, oh there. there's, there's another
3: on. one! <laughs>
4: there's another one and another one. Look at and them all.
3: And another one.
4: Does that look like fun? Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know so what? If,
4: if I had to do that from here all the way to the other end, that wouldn't be much fun. So we're gonna show you how we do it when we don't have all you here to help us. Okay, so we'll just do a little spot and then after we do that little spot, you can help us by go see and pick them up. All right? You wanna check so if, it out? So if y'all stay right here, we're just gonna go a little bit yeah. with our machine, and we'll pick a few potatoes, and then you can see how we do it. Get them in the bucket, Herbie. Okay, we're gonna go over here. We're gonna. The tractor's gonna come down here.
3: Before tractor. By the hand. What else could they have used? What did they have on farms to help them with all the big heavy work? Horses! Yeah! You could put machinery similar to that on the back of a horse and the horse would pull it and help dig up the potatoes. Pretty cool.
2: Is it digs? It's got a, a, like a plow pan in the front. It digs the row up, knocks the dirt off and the potatoes kind of bounce on top and then they come out at the end. But that's how we dig potatoes, and then we come through, put them in a, a basket.
3: I have a question, and it might be an opinion question. Is it true that a potato keeps longer with the soil still on it than if you washed it to store it? If we were selling
4: these commercially, we'd sell them just the way they are, and then they would go in big storehouses, big buildings and then before they get bagged up, that's when they get washed, uh, they go through a wash plant me. and dried and then put into the size graded and then put into the bags. Yes. But the, the longest part of storage would be uh, with the dirt on them right from the field. Yeah. A potato's job is to not only to be re- to reproduce, but also to grow its skin so any of these potatoes if we mark them up the skin on them is really tender right now really thin really tender so whenever you see advertisement new potatoes they always taste so good and you eat them with the skins on because the skin is so thin it's just a good yummy part of the potato as that potato ages that skin gets tougher and tougher and heavier so if we mark it up right now it actually grills new skin over it and a potato is always breathing so when we store them, we have to keep some air going over them to keep blowing the, the well the exhaust from the potato off from it, so they don't want to rot
2: because they are always breathing. All right, they respirate just like people. We're basically just like a potato. Big potato. big potato. we're a big potato. Yeah, <laughs> <big> potato. At <laughs> yes. night
0: we're couch potatoes. Um, are we gonna <laughs> dig some more for
3: potatoes?
0: Well, you can pick
2: some potatoes up. How
0: yeah, would you like that. You dig through here.
2: You can pick some potatoes.
3: Yeah, you can grab some potatoes fill it up and then we can... I have an, oh, you can we can divvy it, divvy it. Oh, another worm! You, you want to turn? You want to try the oh, rake? Oh, wow, look at the baby worm! <clears throat> <Is it> <laughs> the
0: While the romping radishes called? hunted potatoes, <laughs> sharing the, the hand rake, oh, discovering here. worms Aww. in the healthy soil, farmers That's Tim and Zach spoke to me about the agricultural importance of the day.
3: You didn't know potatoes grew like that?
0: I I knew potatoes (laughs) grew like that.
4: Hi, I'm Tim Jaggers, and uh, I own uh, the Robinson Family Farm right now, a good portion of it. I've had it since 2004.
0: We're at a farm tour, something new for farmers maybe. Uh, How do you see that this benefits the farming community to have family farm days?
4: Oh, I think it's a great benefit. Uh, one of the main things is, when we think of statistics, about 1.5% of the population feed 100% of the population. So that means there's 99 point some percent that really are dislocated from agriculture and need to find out where their food comes from and how they get it.
0: Uh, well, this is an educational day, and I did see it at the beginning of the tour a tabletop full of educational books. They seem very informative and illustrative to teach children where their food comes from.
4: Ah, that's important. Start at a young age, showing them where it comes from and how it, how it's grown.
0: Well, I know that you speak with legislators every once in a while. What is the biggest message? that you send to them? What is it that you need most here in the approach of 2022 for Wayne County farmers?
4: Uh, locally in Wayne County, um, I'd have to say one of our biggest needs is uh, getting younger farmers involved. There are young people who would like to farm. price of land is uh, high. If we can uh, work out a way of transitioning some of these older farms, it's been in families and that the younger ones can afford to, to operate them in a way that they may still have to have an off-the-farm job, but something that could be a productive for them.
0: And speaking of younger generations, standing right in front of you is another member of the Robinson family. Introduce yourself.
2: Hello, I'm Zach Jones. Tim is my uncle.
0: How do you feel about this uh, family farm tour event today? How do you think it benefits the farming community?
2: I think it's amazing we get to explain what it is that we do and why we do certain things. Uh, A lot of people kind of took for for granted the accessibility of food and how lucky we are to have the amount of food that we have in this country and the options. Uh, We can go to the store at any moment and get bananas and where do they come from? Um, South America. but uh you know we have potatoes year-round we have apples we have everything that you want at your fingertips at the grocery store and we uh we forget how hard it is to get it there and we forget what it takes so having people come out we can show them you know this this is how it works and uh not everything is a success there's no fairy tales here uh we've had a lot of learning experiences I won't say failures we we've learned a lot and we continue to learn but we we kinda get to tell the the real story of what agriculture is here for us
0: there's an expression now in contemporary farming value added you have to do things on your farm to bring business to be open-minded is this an example of that
2: I think so it's it's one thing to to support your local farmer and to buy stuff from them but it's I think even greater uh, Rather than selling the relationship, you know, build a relationship before you build a sale. That's what matters, and that's what most people are looking for in local food. They want the food. The food is good, but what they want more is the relationship with who grows it and the trust that comes along with it to know that what they're getting is something that they feel safe with.
0: And I have in front of me the woman that's the coordinator for that. I'll let her introduce herself and tell us about the day's event and the big picture of the program.
3: Well, thank you. My name's Jenna Motter. I'm the Agriculture and Food Program Manager at the Cooperage Project. And uh, today's program and series is called At the Farm. And we're just looking to get people out here, meet their producers that are here in Wayne County, and, and hopefully we'll grow this to visit some farmers in other areas as it gain some momentum we've had a lot of people come out to these uh we only did three of them this year and uh, this was the last one for 2021 but we'll kick it back off in 2022 and it's just a way to get families and community members to come out meet these producers see what they're doing on their farms and make that connection to how food gets to the market
0: Mm -hmm. what are the other farm tours that you've done this year so
3: the first one we did, we took a peek at uh, Camp White Stag. Um, we went to White Stag Farm, and they showed us all around, and the kids got to pet farm animals and, and meet you know many different animals, sheeps and goats, and uh, we looked around at the pigs that were hanging out in the woods and um, got to pet some chickens and rabbits, and it was a lot of fun. And then we went to Will-O-Wisp Farm and uh, had a nice presentation from a farm arts collective. they a little snippet of their dream on the farm and got to see their whole production uh, right there alongside the Delaware River, Um, and then finally landing here at the Robinson Family Farm to get a nice overview of how the family farm has grown over 100 years from uh, different production standpoints. They used to have dairy, now they have um, beef steer, and they've also started some uh, vegetable production with high tunnels. Mm
0: Well, it, it is a very idyllic setting over here. We're standing under an old uh, dairy barn. It looks like the hay ladders are still in operation. Uh, how do you think these um, events benefit the community? Well, it
3: gives the community a chance to come together. Um, you know, here in our area, you can't drive in any one direction without realizing that we grow things here. Um, I like to say that ag is our culture. It's not just agriculture. It's, it's what you see when you drive around. It's the reason people like to live here. It's the reason people like to visit here. It's that landscape. It's the sights, the smells, the sounds. Um, so it, it really helps the community as a whole not only connect to the farm, but help the farmer connect to their consumer to know what their consumer wants and, and needs are as they plan for the next
0: season Mm -hmm. and these uh tours always take place in the summer when children are out of school uh how are you finding the attention span of children
3: you know i gotta say it's you would think that when you have a, a farmer standing outside without a screen for the kids to look at without anything really to draw their attention focusing on they're just listening to this farmer uh, talk about the land. It's really amazing to see the kids s- sitting Standing, walking around, listening, asking questions, talking, communicating, working together. We had kids out here today helping each other pick potatoes. And to see all of those skills developing right here on the farm to me just brings it right back to all of our primitive selves. Makes me feel like a kid again to see them enjoying it. So I really love for me as a, I went to school to be an elementary education teacher, so for me to like see them really engaged and, and interacting in this natural
0: wild place, that for me is what it's all about. And it looks like there were some great takeaways.
3: Yeah, great takeaways. These kids were having so much fun. I had a little kid that showed up here, and he wasn't really feeling it. He, you know, maybe he like well, I didn't have a great night's sleep or something. Um, but once he started seeing the tractor move and the farm equipment go, he got really excited. And, and by the end of it, he was running alongside of all of them, right down the hill, ready for the next activity. It was so great to see. And they left with bags of. Bags of uh, tomatoes and potatoes that they all got to pick right off the vine and right out of the ground. Um, so, driving those principles home that our food comes from
0: farms is just amazing and beautiful to see. And then, the background over here, we have some real uh, barnyard critters. <laughs> They're a red chicken. The chicken coop here is.
3: The farmer told me it's made from the old milk shed. So reusing, repurposing some equipment here and, and structures on the farm for a new purpose. We got these chickens here chewing on some cucumbers and compost and doing their chicken thing. Um, the kids were loving checking these Thank gals you. out.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and for allowing me to tag along with my microphone and collect the sound for Farm and Country.
3: Absolutely, it was great to have you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Robinson Family Produce is available locally at their farm and at two market stand locations. The Old Car Wash off Route 191 in Lake Ariel, Fridays 4 to 7 p.m. and the Newfoundland Farmers Market at the Carlton Drake Memorial Park in Newfoundland from 10 to 2 You enjoyed this special edition of Farm and Country produced by Radio Catskill volunteer and host Rosie Starr. Special thanks goes to our guests Jenna Motter, Agriculture and Food Program Manager at the Cooperage in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, the Romping Radishes participants, and their youth program coordinator Tower Venezia, Robinson Family Farm owners Uncle Tim Jaggers and Zach Jones. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country. In the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org. This past year and a half has been hard, yes, but it would have been a lot harder without
3: the healthcare organizations, workers, and volunteers who keep us healthy. It's crucial work,
0: it never ends, and that's why we're thanking these folks. We want you to join us. Come to Radio Catskill's Community Awards on.